Good afternoon. This afternoon, we'd scheduled um, a continuation of the metta practice, but in a slightly, we're taking a pause from the traditional um, development of metta, because the next category of, uh, of people for whom we wish we send metta or we radiate our metta are difficult people. And we felt and we feel that it's helpful, perhaps, and supportive and foundational <clears throat> to first reflect on forgiveness and if you feel it appropriate for yourself to uh, do some forgiveness practice. And then tomorrow we'll continue with the development of metta in the classical way of um, moving on to the difficult person. It's a particularly interesting um, happenstance or juncture as we had um, our discussions last night about some really difficult um, historical perspectives and difficult ways of being in this beautiful country that we call America. So I'd like to talk a little bit about forgiveness first before we actually go through a, uh, a forgiveness practice together. And I'm going to um, probably go a little bit over time in this period. So is there anything that I need to know about that? Is If I go 10 minutes over, so is there anything else that is pressing? Great. Because I had a little bit of a blip. <laughs> I couldn't find my notes. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> well, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Great. <coughs> so, um, I'd like to just talk a little bit about forgiveness first because sometimes we tend to just jump into these practices and um, I think in this particular, this particular practice deserves some reflection and deserve some understanding of what we're doing so that um, the heart can be open to the possibility of forgiveness um, and be prepared for it rather than to try to do a forgiveness practice that then, you know, as we, as we do it, we feel ourselves tightening and resistant and un unable uh, to proceed. So, just a, just a short reflection first, and then we'll do some practices, uh, some of which I've borrowed from my brother Larry. Um, and he's, there's, a, there's a, um, a classical practice of forgiveness in, in the Buddhist tradition, 
and uh, he's added uh, he's added uh, something onto that that I think is is very helpful, and uh, we'll see if if you do too. So, the first understanding, I think, if we're going to reflect on forgiveness, is to really understand what it is and what it isn't. And I think it's it's very uh, important that that understanding come from what we know from our practice. That it comes not out of a kind of intellectual uh, perseveration with what it is and what it isn't, but really that it's a it's it's a practice that's based on metta, on loving kindness. And as we know, the loving kindness practice that we do is not a practice that we kind of approach and we say, well, we're going to, you know, we have uh, half an hour now and I'm going to, you know, develop loving kindness for myself. And then I'm going to move on to, you know, loving kindness um, for the next category and, you know, for the benefactor. And then I'm going to do it for the friend. And then, you know, after five or six days, I'm going to be done. Right? That's loving kindness. I've done that. Back to mindfulness. Right? No. We understand that each time we do it, that, that what we're really engaging in is the understanding of the neuroplasticity of the brain, the neuroplasticity of the heart, and that each time we engage in a practice, whether it's mindfulness practice or it's metta practice, that the mind and the heart and the body open a little bit, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. So we have um, this forgiveness as the capacity to let go. And as we know, if we've been Buddhist practitioners for a while, which just about everybody in this room has been, that that's something that we can talk about, that's something that sounds like a really nice idea, and then we try to do it, right? And we feel the heart clench, and we feel all of the ways in which we don't want to let go. And sometimes it's even our suffering that we don't want to let go, because there's something sweet about the feeling of suffering or the feeling of being victimized, or some, somehow maybe it's what we've become accustomed to, and it becomes tied up with our identity. And so the fear of letting go of something that we feel is really part of our identity (coughs) is like letting go into a vast unknown. And so even though it may seem like a good idea that sometimes it may not be that um, easy to do. So forgiveness as the capacity to let go, to release suffering and our sorrows and betrayals of the past and to choose the mystery of love in this development of metta. And mystery, it is a mystery which uh, many poets, scientists, and all kinds of people, certainly better than me, have tried to plumb and have not been able to. It's kind of like gravity. You know, we all know how it works but we don't quite understand it. We may have all of the 
equations for it, but we really don't understand how it works. And so choosing the mystery of love may seem like a really good idea, and yet we know that it's a, it's a process. In the Bhagavad Gita, it says, if you want to see the brave, look for those who can return love for hate. If you want to see the heroic, look to those who can forgive. Forgiveness is the unwillingness to attack, the unwillingness to wish harm on anyone, even those who have harmed us including ourselves. And if we think about it, we think about what the world would be like without forgiveness. It would be quite unbearable. This unwillingness to let go of all of the burdens that we carry from the past, to to, um, become chained to our suffering, and then to be condemned to repeat it over and over and over again. And we, we see all kinds of examples of this, whether it's the Hutus and the Tutsis or the Israelis and the Palestinians or um, the Bosnians. We can, or if we keep, and that's just you know, recent history. If we go back in our history, we look at how many countries have been in, uh, in, 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 in enmity for thousands of years or hundreds of centuries. And we understand the unbearableness of those kinds of um, long histories of enmity. So if we, if there is no forgiveness, there is a chain of suffering that keeps being handed down, and I think we talked about that last night a bit that it keeps getting handed down from generation uh, to generation. And by the time uh, it comes to the fifth and the sixth and the seventh and the tenth generations, it looks like that's all we have. It becomes blind conditioning. As Langston Hughes says, let America be America, the America she never was. So love and forgiveness are not for the faint-hearted. They're not for those of us who are weak, because what, what we're really saying is that somebody, someone, must stand up and say, it stops with me. That I refuse to enter into uh, this kind of hatred that gets passed on to my children and my children's children and their children. That I can accept the betrayal, I can accept the suffering, but I refuse to pass it on to my children. James Baldwin said, I imagine one of the reasons people uh, cling to their fear and hate so stubbornly is they sense that once hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with their own pain. 
so we un- we begin to understand what forgiveness is and what it is not that it's not a condoning it's not a condoning of what someone else did it's not a saying it's okay and it's not relinquishing your right to stand up and do what is necessary to see that injustice does not prevail. It's not a way of relinquishing the right to one's own dignity, to the dignity for which every human being has a birthright. What it is, is a sense of understanding our own suffering and not hold in, in holding on to the lack of forgiveness, that we understand that it's not in our own best interest to do that. And we sense the weight of holding on, of not forgiving. We reflect on the benefits of a loving heart, as we did yesterday with the 11 benefits of metta. Children will love you, your dreams will be beautiful, you'll be reborn in deva realms, etc. Sometimes it's even translated as elephants will bow down to you because they understand the beautiful mind and the beautiful heart that you have. We discover it's not necessary to be loyal to our suffering, to the trauma, to the betrayal, to the horrible um, consequences of whatever has been done to us. We understand it needs healing, but we also understand that it does not define us. The Buddha said, live in joy, in love, even among those who hate. Live in joy, in health, even among the afflicted. Live in joy, in peace, even among the troubled. Look within, be still, free from fear and attachment. Know the sweet joy of the way. Live in joy, in love, even among those who hate. And we understand that if we don't live in joy, that in some ways we're cooperating with the oppressors, that we diminish uh, the suffering of others if we don't allow our own joy. Albert Camus said, joy is our moral obligation. I hope you'll enjoy that. And we understand that forgiveness is a process that it's a training, that what we're doing is training the heart to move away from the the history of hatred. With forgiveness, we set an intention. And in the the texts, we're always um, reminded, especially in the Abhidhamma, we're reminded of the, the power of intention that once we set an intention, 
that somehow the compass of the heart gets set. And that's where it goes. So that even when obstacles are, are met on the, on, the, on the path, that we can meet them. We can live into those obstacles. We can find a way to work with them because the intention is powerful. It becomes the ground on which we stand. Obstacles become workable. We'll learn some inner forms of forgiveness, which I'll lead you through in a, in a few moments, but that those inner forms are not the only ones. And perhaps if it's a practice that you decide is one that you would really like to undertake, you're invited to become as creative as you want to be. That these forms that are, that are given to you are really um, helpful and supportive but there may be other forms and maybe rituals that you would like to undertake for yourself so that it becomes something that is not imposed on you, but something that springs, as we said in the metta practice yesterday, that springs from your connection to the earth and that rains down on you from the heavens. In the metta practice, we start with the easiest person, right? We start with the benefactor, the one who is really easy, who really, know, who really knows how to, um, who really helps us to know how to open our hearts. And in the same way with forgiveness, we don't need to undertake the most difficult person at first. We don't need to undertake forgiveness of the most egregious forms of malice or hatred to which we have been subjected. But we can start with the smallest way in which the smallest offense that we can think of to see if the heart can open, just like when we start with ourselves and the benefactor, or, or with the benefactor, the heart starts to open. And then we go into a neutral person, and then we go into the difficult person we can do the same with the forgiveness practice. And eventually, when the heart is open, we can go into the difficult. One thing that's helpful is to really be willing to grieve. To grieve the losses. To grieve all of the ways in which one's humanity may have been betrayed where the dignity of one's humanity has been undermined, the loss, the fear, and the anger, to really undertake the knowledge of them. Our practice, after all, is based on mindfulness and awareness, so that when we enter into any practice, we always start with the stilling of the mind and the heart. And as we start with the stilling of the mind and the heart, we begin to know what's true, what's here. So is there loss? Is there fear? Is there anger? To not reject your grief. To not think that you're not entitled to it. Or that it's wrong, or it's not Buddhist. <laughs> it's a common one, right? That really, 
you know, we think of equanimity somehow as pasting a smile on our faces and saying it's okay. But it may not be. And what is really true in your heart? How does, how does, um, how does this grief and loss really honestly feel? As Rumi says, don't reject your grief. Let it season you like few ingredients can. So we're willing to go through the process. And if you've, if you've read Nelson Mandela's biography, it's a really beautiful example where he actually goes through the whole process that he went through on Robben Island for those 27 years. He went through all of the ways in which he was angry and rejecting and couldn't hold it and then watched himself get seasoned into forgiveness. And our forgiveness is contained in all the dimensions that we are working on in the, in the Satipatthana Sutta, in the Four Foundations of Mindfulness. We start in the body in all of the ways that trauma and difficulty and betrayal and grief and loss are held in the body. And we get to know what's happening in the body, how that feels, what that's like. And we work with the body, and then we work with the emotions. So if we're feeling angry or rage, then we know what that feels like. We know how it is. The space of awareness is really trustworthy. So that we don't have to reject our emotions or think that they're bad or we're bad for having them. But we really begin to to know it, to know it as well as we possibly can. And to look at the stories in the mind, the third foundation, all of the ways in which we have stories about the betrayals and the and the loss, and all of the reruns. And as we start to look at that, we begin to understand how we keep rerunning the same story over and over and over and over and over again. I think they, they, there's a, I don't know how they did this, but they measured how many thoughts are run through our minds in a day, and they came up with some insane number, like 965,000 or something. <coughs> And they ascertained that 98% of them were not original, that we'd had them before, over and over and over and over again. So we begin to look and see how the thoughts and the mind and the stories are the same as yesterday. And we begin to know that there is nothing that is not forgivable. Consider that. That the uh, our resolve or our determination or our intention to not pass what is toxic down to our children and our grandchildren renders everything forgivable. But it's only forgivable if we approach it with the right spirit, 
that the forgiveness is not about them, but it's about us. It's about how we are thinking about ourselves and what we really, how we really want to live and what it means to live as we've been discussing a purified life. So we can be not forgiving and thinking evil thoughts about you know, the oppressor or the betrayer or the perpetrator, and they're in Hawaii having a really great time, and we're miserable, right? So is that how we want to live? And so much in the Buddhist uh, stories of people like Milarepa in the Tibetan stories, who was, you know, a, 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 a magician of the, you know, of the 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 arts of what they call black magic that, you know, he, he was always putting spells on people and doing things like that. And he became one of Tibet's greatest saints. Or Angulimala, who wore a, a necklace of fingers of people that he'd killed and how the Buddha turned him around and he became one of the Buddha's followers. And then to have a really great perspective that takes in a panoramic view of what, what it is we're doing here. What it is we really want our lives to look like. How do we really want to live in the world, given its history, its terrible history, given the way in which we have harmed each other, We've hurt each other. We've brutalized each other. And it's not just America. But all over the world we have the Tutsis and the Hutus and the Croats and the Serbs and the Palestinians and the Israelis and the Muslims and the Christians. And is that the world we want to live in? And is that the world we want our children to live in? So we take a larger perspective. And from that larger perspective, we begin to understand why it is this practice of forgiveness is crucial to our, not only to our Buddhist practice, but really to our lives. And that it's part of the inner work uh, that we do. It's the, really based on the understanding that pain and pleasure is the wholeness of life. That if we live in this human body, if we take on a human life, that this is part of the bargain. And how do we live it as well as we possibly can, given that truth? One of the things that I think we recognize is that as we decide to become more and more sensitive 
and live from the very depths of our being, the more vulnerable we become to life. And so this practice of forgiveness becomes more and more and more essential as we live into that vulnerability and we do get harmed, we do get hurt. And sometimes they're small hurts and sometimes they're large and historical hurts. And so we undertake the, pra- the practice in the same way that we undertake the practice of concentration, we undertake the practice of mindfulness, we undertake the practices of metta and <coughs> compassion and equanimity and joy. And the trajectory of this practice is very similar to those practices. That it doesn't, it's not like we get up from our seats the first time we do it and we say, well, that's done. Okay, next. So the practice itself is classically a practice in three directions. And it's the three directions are the practice of forgiving ourselves for uh, the ways in which we have harmed ourselves. And the second direction is asking for forgiveness for the ways in which we have harmed others. And the third direction is asking, is granting forgiveness for the ways in which we have been harmed by others. And the fourth, which is the um, coup de grace (laughs) that our friend Larry has added, this fourth direction is the direction of really forgiving the existence of the first noble truth, which I think is kind of brilliant. Kind of brilliant. (laughs) Not completely brilliant, just kind of brilliant. It's a good thing this is your talk and not mine. (laughs) 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 I'm not commenting. So, in the spirit of, um, of uh, gradual forgiveness, and in the spirit of understanding that all of the practices that we undertake are internal practices that have a process and have a trajectory, I'd like you to join me now in um, in beginning to undertake the first step first settle down into your seat 
and really feel the contact of your buttocks with your seat, whether it's a chair or a cushion or a bench, so that you really feel the connection that you have to the earth and how you belong to this earth. That you're a child of the universe, entitled to the dignity, the kindness, the love that is our birthright. Many of the Buddhist texts, my teacher always reminds me, start with, O nobly born, you are the sons and daughters of the Buddha. And so as you sit here, sit here as a son or daughter, offspring of the Buddha, knowing that you are, your birthright is nobility and dignity. And feel at ease, letting the earth hold you completely so that there's nothing that has to be tight or tense in the body in order for you to sit up or to hold yourself in dignity and feel the earth beneath you, the warmth of it, the hardness of it, the vibration of it, and the fluidity of it, all four elements. And turn your attention to yourself. And recognize any self-judgment that you already hold. And see if you can loosen it just a little bit. Returning to this sense of being nobly born and being a child of the the universe and the earth. And know that there are ways in which you have harmed yourself. Every one of us has done it. We have done that which we know to be harmful to ourselves. However, we've been conditioned and whatever the conditioning has been. It's been difficult to live this life without some harm to oneself. And can I forgive myself? Any ways in which I've harmed myself, knowingly or unknowingly, in thought, word, or deed, I forgive myself now. And if there are running stories or if there are ways in which you think you can't forgive yourself, let them go for now. And just notice the ways in which you can.
as sensitive as we are, we do hurt ourselves. There is sorrow and there is pain. Can we allow that? Allow the mistakes we've made? And allow ourselves to let go of whatever is painful or difficult? And to the extent that I can, right now, I forgive myself. If I can forgive myself completely, I do. If the extent to which I can is limited, I allow that too. And whatever I am unable to forgive myself now, may I hold that for forgiveness in the future. Can you hold that image of yourself as a noble being? And feel the forgiveness, letting it sink into your heart. And if you'd like to stay with yourself for the entire period, you may do so. But I will move on to the second of the four directions. Bring into your heart space the image of a being to whom you have recently caused harm, perhaps by angry words or deeds Perhaps you've been uncaring or careless. You've ignored them or been dismissive of them. This is a really beautiful time to establish your intention. And one formulation is to say, for any way that I have caused harm to you, and let their picture in your mind and heart be really clear, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or deed. I sincerely ask for and wish for your forgiveness. Please accept me with my impatience and my imperfections. Please allow me to be a student of my own actions, to learn. Please forgive any harm that I have done to you. 
and if you are unable to do so, I understand. And wish that you will be able to forgive me in the future. Let the image of this person be really clear in your heart. Feel your sincerity or feel the ways in which you don't want to ask for forgiveness. Notice any stories that may be coming up of how you may have been right. or how you may have been justified. And yet, and yet, wouldn't it be wonderful if just as you have an intention to forgive, that you can also be forgiven? allowing the image of that person to gradually fade in your heart and bringing into that same space someone who has caused you injury who has by thought, word or deed harmed you hurt you, betrayed you, caused you some loss or injury. And remember, you don't have to take on the person who is the most injurious. For any and all ways that you have harmed me, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or deed. I sincerely undertake forgiving you now. It is my wish that my heart can open sufficiently to completely forgive you. But in any event, I forgive you to the extent that I am able now. And I recognize your imperfect humanity in the midst of my pain. I grant you the space and the ability to make your own mistakes. To the extent that I can, I let go of the anger and the hurt. From moment to moment, I treat you as I wish to be treated, and I forgive you now. If there is any reservation in my heart, 
it is my sincere wish that I will be able to forgive you in the future. So taking in and appreciating that you have forgiven, you have undertaken this forgiveness practice in three different directions. That you have forgiven yourself. That you have asked for forgiveness. And that you have granted forgiveness. coming back to how this body is feeling sitting here, the dignity of it. Noticing how it is right now in this moment. Whether there is sadness at the memories of hurts given and received. Whether there is an openness to forgiveness or a resistance to it, becoming completely aware of how it is for you right now. The sadness, the pain, the vulnerability, whatever is true. Not needing to make anything different. Not needing to change your feelings not needing to do anything to add or subtract to your experience right now. Paying attention deeply to how it is for you. And then from this expansiveness of awareness extending the intention to include our inexorable connection to the web of life. Allowing a difficult circumstance into your awareness. Whether it's a personal experience or an experience that you've observed. And we know that our minds are full of images that we've seen of offenses given, of harms caused to ourselves and to others. Some injustice or unfairness that may have to do with one person or with a group of people. You may not even know the people who are involved, but there is, but what you do know of is the pain and the suffering in this experience, in this life whether it's tragedy or trauma or violence, 
or abuse or even war. Notice all of the ways in which we think the world is askew. It's not how we want it to be. And yet this is the only world we have. See these life circumstances exactly for what they are. Notice where there is systemic, a systemic issue. Notice where it's impersonal and notice where we take it personally. Let your heart open so that we can find the compassion, the wisdom, and the love to respond appropriately from the heart that is open and, yes, vulnerable. And one way of working with this is to say, from any way that this situation has caused harm to me or to others, directly or indirectly, the thoughts, actions, and words that have been so harmful, so abusive, perhaps for generations. May I have forgiveness for this first noble truth of suffering, that suffering exists in this life. That it exists in this world This suffering simply stated by the Buddha in this first noble truth can be seen and penetrated easily in this world. May I let go of wanting it to be some other way. May I let go of wanting the present moment to be other than it is. May I know this vulnerability, this pain and sorrow as part of life. May I know these injuries and this pain to be a part of life. May I forgive myself. May I forgive my loved ones. May I forgive those whom I do not know in these situations. 
and may I forgive the difficult and harmful people in my life and in the lives of those I love and to whom I am deeply connected. And if forgiveness feels impossible in this moment, may I develop it, know it, and grant it in the future. Feeling the power of the heart, the power of the stillness of body, mind, and heart. the universality of this need for forgiveness, all of the ways in which this world needs me to be able to forgive, to let that completely into my heart. And then coming back to the nobility of this body, mind, and heart, sitting here on this seat, deeply connected to the earth and its rhythms, accepting and allowing and simply being with what is. Let that whole energy flow into this room in which we sit together. Healing energy for each heart and each mind, each body. Allowing this energy of forgiveness to fill this room completely. so that it flows into the room and out among all of the trees, this whole compound in which we are together. Let it shake the trees, join with the wind, be taken on the wind throughout the whole world, touching everyone without discrimination without choice allowing forgiveness for all beings everywhere without exception for all of life the simple act of knowing feeling whatever degree of purification and purity that comes from this practice, this process of learning to forgive. May we have this open heart of forgiveness.
forgiving ourselves, forgiving mistakes, injuries, judgments, and harm. May we completely forgive harming ourselves, harming others. And as we ask for forgiveness, may it be granted. May we have the complete strength, energy, and courage to forgive even the most egregious of harms, understanding with wisdom and compassion that we are all conditioned by and subjected to these same human systems. And may this practice of forgiveness grant us peace and grant us ease. May our hearts grow large, large enough to forgive the perpetrators of hatred, brutality, revenge. And may this peace and ease created by this practice of forgiveness spread throughout the world to the hearts, to our hearts, the hearts of everyone for whom we care deeply and the hearts of all beings in all four directions, above, below, around, and everywhere. May it be so. We just have a few minutes for questions. Um, but whenever I do think about asking for forgiveness, 
I get stuck on the butt. I, you know, it, 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 I, I also wanted uh, her to acknowledge that I, that she hurt me as well. And that's where I can see this completely falling apart if I were to try to do that. Um, and so I'm trying to think of skillful means to, to do this, whether maybe it means my sitting with it longer and exploring it, or I don't know, I, mean, I guess that's my question. I'm not <coughs> quite sure how to proceed. So one thing you might consider is undertaking the forgiveness practice yourself without having any conditions for that forgiveness. And, you know, what I've found in my life, and I'm sure many of you will also feel something similar, is that it, when I undertake that kind of a practice, whether it's a loving-kindness practice or a forgiveness practice, sometimes just the energy of that shifts the particular relationship that I'm working with, right? And creates an opening where it might be possible. Now, you know, I think in these kinds of wars that we create with each other, you know, patterns get worn in because we keep saying the same things over and over and over and over again and we keep doing the same things to each other over and over again and it feels like a pattern that where the that doesn't feel capable of change and yet when we change our heart's relationship to a relationship or or its perspective on a relationship things do shift so perhaps the first step is to forgive as much as you can without needing anything in return. You can ask for something in return, but not need it in return. Perhaps you don't need the forgiveness in return, and it may come later, or it may never come. But is that, do you, are you willing to keep the heaviness and the difficulty of the relationship as it is now because you can't let go of a condition. And, you know, maybe the answer to that is yes, I don't know. But it's certainly a worthwhile question to ask yourself. Right? And you don't need to answer it now, but it's certainly an exploration that you can undertake. Do I really need that? Sometimes you do, you know. But sometimes you, sometimes it's this... It's just that same thought reasserting itself. I can't forgive you until you acknowledge what you did to me. And maybe that's true. But maybe it's also just a repetitive thought that you've had for as many years as the controversy has been there. And is it time to let it go? And whatever the answer is, doesn't deserve your judgment. It just deserves your exploration and your investigation. And sometimes a situation like this, this just needs one person to take the first step.
get stuck at the point of even thinking about having compassion for the perpetrators. I, I feel some opening for my just for my own self in 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 realizing that I don't want to carry this burden for the rest of my life. There's some willingness to forgive. But every time I think of it in terms of needing to have compassion for them, I get stuck because I, I can't see a way around it. It doesn't look like ending up at the point where I say, it's okay that you did that. I understand you probably had, you know, no love in your life. Nobody taught you better or whatever. So it may not be okay that somebody did something, right? Forgiveness doesn't require your condoning what they did or excusing it. Never does. It might be part of what happens, but it's not a requirement. So compassion, the definition of compassion is recognizing the, co- the commonality of the suffering. That this first noble truth really means what it says, is there is suffering, there is dukkha. And what that means is that it's a universal condition. The systems that create brutality victimize not only the victims, but the perpetrators. And that's the understanding that's being pointed to, not a condoning. And it's not like, oh, it's okay that you did that. I understand you had a bad family family situation, so it's okay that you did fill in the blank. It's not that at all but it's an unburdening of your own heart based on some wisdom of this universal existence of suffering. And it's a mystery. So we're not, we're probably never going to completely, the the whole definition of a mystery is we can never penetrate it completely, right? So we do the best we can, and we're not required to do any more than we possibly can. And it's a step-by-step, inch-by-inch movement into unburdening your own heart, not excusing or condoning harm that's been done. You're welcome. So I'll send you off with the Buddha's words again. Live in joy, in love, even among those who hate. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.